from 2008 till about 2012, I basically lost everything um, because I was, for lack of a better explanation, I was a tool and ran a bad business. But um, I started in 2003, I started door knocking pre-foreclosures. I didn't really utilize my network until I had the opportunity to utilize my network as private lenders. Um, essentially, I would I was really good at closing deals and I would compete against people at the doorstep and I would get the contract and I would ask them to lend on the project and create relationships that way keep a long story short, but um, primarily I started door knocking pre-foreclosures. I just drove in my car for four or five hours a day, every day, religiously um, OCD about it. And I was really good at getting deals. The second time I started back up in 2012, when I got back into real estate after my my hiatus, um, I it was network. It was 100% network. I started building relationships with agents. I started building relationships with wholesalers and, you know, a large portion of my deal flow was relationship and network based for a long time. Mike check. I'm good. Mike check. Mike check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. We're going to be bringing in Diamond Double players. And this one that we have right here, his name is uh, Don Costa, the real Don. And obviously, when I was in Michigan, I uh, was watching a lot of podcasts. I was watching a lot of consuming just content. I also got to know uh, my Michigan man, Mike Cowper down there. And um, he, he was working with this real Don, the man. So basically, um, here, right here, Mr. Don is been working in, um, in the flipping business for a really long time. I would like to really un introduce you uh, to the Flip Talk host as well. Is a mm -hmm. very good podcast that you will see and learn all about uh, real estate investing, wholesaling, flipping. Uh, so I have a very, very special guest with you in front of you. If you don't, if you don't take advantage of this, Uh, episode today uh, you have to go and watch every single one of his podcast episodes and really get that tons of value in different topics that he covered but hey don how's everything going my man hey how's it going i'm good man i love having uh, people that are properly using this mic such as you sound so crisp so perfect man <laughs> you've been running that podcast already for some time I'm assuming to add a lot of value. And this is the whole concept to here um, of, for this podcast where people get diamond type of nuggets. I call them diamond because we want to take it to other, other levels to this. People bring in real things. And uh, for example, you, man, you, you currently are in the real estate and wholesaling business. You're in the investing business. You flip. But you are very well known by really having that remodeling business model you do 100 plus deals 100 plus flips every single year and while you're also running your podcast 
you have a family, beautiful family. I love to know more about you, man. I love to really understand what is really taking, what's the power behind that Don Costa? What's the power behind uh, the real Don? Um, and, and here, explain to everyone here, uh, who is the Don Costa? Uh, you know, that's a loaded, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Uh, yes. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just an everyday guy, entrepreneur, uh, I'm trying to, to make my way in the world. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think like most people who are entrepreneur, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial, you don't find yourself um, capable of being handcuffed by a time clock. So, and I was one of those people that, that couldn't do that. So in 2002, I, um, basically quit my W2 job um, and, you know, set off to be an entrepreneur. Um, and that's ultimately the last time I got a paycheck. So um, through the years, I have just tried to figure things out and learn and grow as a person, try to, um, you know, essentially stand in the fire and, uh, you know, do what needs to be done to get where I want to go. So there's been a lot of ups and downs, failures and wins. And, and at the end of the day, the only difference between, I think, me and anybody else who, is on the journey. Um, some people I am ahead of, and some people are ahead of me. And, uh, you know, so time's the only thing that separates, I think, you know, time and hard work, basically the only thing that separates you from people who have what you want, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That, yeah. That defines it in a nutshell, I think. Man, you absolutely, you obviously have been in the business for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people enter this business in the wholesaling side, because it has a very easier access to entry. Um, what, what was your first form of just uh, real estate and wholesaling or, or just real estate entrepreneurship coming into the business that really got you to a point where you are? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I started way back in 2003 and I, and I started looking at, um, I quit my job in 2002. I, I, I started another business with a friend um, and that the lifestyle of that business wasn't conducive to um, what I wanted for my future. So I ended up after about a year, um, leaving that. And, and, and then I, I started the, the journey in real estate. Um, I had been looking at real estate for probably, I would say three to five years before that ultimately. And at the end of the day, um, I was, uh, scared. I think like most people, I was scared to get started. This is back when Carlton Sheets was the big deal. And um, some of the other, you know, gurus at the time were big deals. And it was the infomercial time. And we didn't have podcasts or YouTube to learn from. It was buy books and tapes or go to a seminar. And so, um, you know, just I had circled the idea of real estate investing. I knew it was something I wanted to do, but I was scared. I didn't know how to get started. And back then, wholesaling wasn't really talked about. Like, it, it was probably a thing. I don't want to say it wasn't a thing, but it wasn't a thing on my radar. So, for me, it was either buy, be a buy and hold investor or be a, a fix and flip investor. And uh, when I got into it, um, the direction I went was fix and flip investor. Um, ultimately, I didn't really, I wholesaled properties here and there. I would say accidental wholesaler through the years. Um, but I didn't take wholesaling seriously until 2018. So I kind of did the opposite. You know, we, we're, we're wholesaling more now um, in 2021. Um than rehabbing, whereas traditionally we would rehab more than wholesale. And uh, so I've kind of went backwards. Some people will wholesale first and then become a heavy rehabber. Uh, I kind of, I've taken the opposite direction. Absolutely, man. And, and you said that by accident, you've, you've wholesaled deals in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess sometimes you just find that deal that you don't want to take and then just give it to someone or how, that did, how did that work? 
It was more so um, I had built a pretty good network of, uh, you know, individuals in my market that, that I had worked with. Some of them were private money lenders that um, would rehab properties on their own as well. And so I would, I would lock up a really, really good deal. And, um, you know, one of my lenders would make me an offer on the property I couldn't refuse. And again, I don't even think I really at the time thought about it as wholesaling or even thought about that was that was not intentional about it. it was more so like I had this deal I intended on rehabbing it somebody made me an offer I couldn't refuse on it and I, I took the money and and uh, sold them the property generally to tell you the truth in a lot of cases it was a, a wholesale situation where I had closed on the property um, and then ended up selling it to a lender uh, more so than it was a wholesale, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, again, it was, it wasn't something that would, I had entered into that transaction intentionally to do. It just kind of became, um, whatever it was through the process of that transaction. So it's, it wasn't until, you know, the early 2012, 2013, where I really started, I started buying from wholesalers more and more and started looking at it um, and taking it seriously. But even then it's, you know, from a rehabber standpoint, and I, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek, but a lot of rehabbers look at wholesalers as the amateurs, the amateur hour. Yeah. Right. And it's not the, not the case. There are some very, very successful, sophisticated uh, investors that use wholesaling as their primary business model. But when you've always been a rehabber, as many years as I've been a rehabber, you kind of look at the wholesaler as, as the person who's starting in the business and, and you almost don't want to, you know, um, for lack of a better term, I lower your standards to become a wholesaler when you are a fix and flipper. So um, if that makes sense in any way, shape or form. So it was, it was a big mindset shift for me. They are two totally different businesses. Um, how you look at them, how you look at leads, everything is is different because, you know, with rehab as a rehabber, it either fits in your box or it doesn't. And if somebody wants to buy outside your box for a higher amount, you think they're insane or stupid or don't run a good business. That's the whole, if you ever listen to a rehabber talk, that's the way they talk. Um, and, but you, so you have to change your mindset and realize that people have different buying models. They have different business models. Um, maybe they have different skill sets than you have and they're able, they're capable of doing things at different pricing. And so you have to let all that go to add wholesaling to your business. If you've always rehabbed. I love the, the way that you're actually looking at it because I've had experiences myself where, even as um, someone that used to do wholesale or, you know, continuously does wholesale, but started this journey as a, as a wholesaler um, where rehabbers kind of have this, this, sometimes this entitled personality, but I have the money, I can take care of my flips. I do right. the rehab. I have the whole team here to move this property. So you just bring me a deal. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they, they uh, some of this, they don't see the value because I feel like, Whenever you're a rehabber, most of them, they will rely on the circle, connections, all this leverage around them, right? Joint ventures all the time. People, is that, is that how you started as well? Is that kind of like your net, most, mostly your network that brought mm -hmm. you the deals? Well, okay. So um, yes and no. I started twice in this business. There's a, a longer story here, but from 2008 till about 2012, I basically lost everything um, because I was for lack of a better explanation, I was a tool and ran a bad business. But um, I started in 2003, I started door knocking pre-foreclosures. I didn't really utilize my network until I had the opportunity to utilize my network as private lenders. Um, essentially, I would I was really good at closing deals and I would compete against people at the doorstep and I would get the contract and I would ask them to lend 
on the project and I created relationships that way to keep a long story short. But um, primarily I started door knocking pre-foreclosures. I just drove in my car for four or five hours a day, every day, religiously um, OCD about it. And I was really good at getting deals. The second time I started back up in 2012, when I got back into real estate after my my hiatus, um, I it was network. It was 100% network. I started building relationships with agents. I started building relationships with wholesalers, and you know a large portion of my deal flow was relationship and network based for a long time. Um, MLS was part of it. Um, at the time you could buy properties at the MLS pretty successfully. Right now it's a little harder, obviously, but uh, and then relationships were significant. Absolutely. So even though it, uh, as a rehabber, someone that is really hands-on into the real estate game, um, you still had something that was that, that a lot of people need to understand to really be successful in this business, such as that's one lead generation. You mm-hmm. you grinded, had OCD on doing the door knocking, driving for dollars, finding finding those properties. But it seems to me that you also were good at um, closing deals. So sales, mm-hmm. right? So that's the second one. Um, so just talk to me about this because uh, I, I believe that as a rehabber, you are good in into making that deal happen, and you just have the money you purchase it from a, a, a whole, uh, from a wholesaler. But usually they they don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to do sales. Like they they don't understand the whole sales process and it's the science of 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 of, of just of just making sure that uh, whoever has that deal or whoever has that um, that property, such as such as a seller, gives it to you because you're the best. Yeah. Well, like what's you, the what's the question specifically? I guess <laughs> the the question is uh, I like to understand you under you being a rehabber. Mm-hmm. Like how important it was at the time of you being really good in closing deals. Like actually being a good salesperson. Like being good in sales. I mean, it's it's pretty significant, you know, if you can, if you can do, if you can touch all aspects of your business and be at least um, effective in them, you're going to be a lot more successful um, out of the gate. Obviously, if you know, you're, you're good at uh, one thing and not good at the other, you can start to build a team around you to offset some of those deficiencies. But um, at the end of the day, I just, I wanted it bad enough. Okay. Let's put it that way. I wasn't good at sales right out of the gate. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's the best way to answer it. A lot of people will overthink it and they won't even try sales. They won't think they're good at it. I wasn't good at it out of the gate. What I did was every time I had a, a conversation, I would sit in my car and I'd Monday morning quarterback the conversation. And then um, I would just, you know, I'd think, you know, should I have said this? Should I have said that? You know, um, did I ask all the right questions? Did I, did I not dig deep enough into pain points? And it got to the point where I started to build this muscle memory. So when I was talking to sellers, ultimately at the end of the day, um, I was able to start to read, you know, tone inflection, um, the cadence of the conversation, body language, um, almost instinctually. And and that was something that it was a habit I wanted to have. It was a, it was a skill set I wanted to have. And that's ultimately, I think, the best thing to say to people is, you know, um, using speaking on stage. I speak on stage a lot now. I was terrified of speaking on stage, but I wanted to do it. And so I got comfortable doing it. I, I'm, you know, every every day I'm going to speaker training this weekend. Every day I look for the opportunity to level up my skill set. Um, you know, when it came to rehabbing, it was the same thing. I wasn't good at it right out of the gate. I was actually horrible at it right out of the gate. I was in a market that hit all my flaws 
I had contractors take advantage of me um, on pricing and timelines and you name it. And um, again, I was in a market that hit my flaws in 2003, four and five. So if I took longer and went over budget, I still made more money. So when I got back into the business, I looked at all the mistakes I made and said, how do I not make those mistakes again? And I leveled up. I stood in Home Depot and Lowe's for hours at a time looking at and mapping out the products I needed to do an effective rehab and what they cost and how much I would need, you know, and identified that I need 700 linear feet for a 1500 of, of uh, baseboard for a 1500 square foot house on average. Right. And what would that cost in material cost, and what should that cost in labor? And it got to a point where I, because I wanted it bad enough, I was able to effectively master the skill of being able to manage and control a rehab. Um, and every time I ran into points of sales or points of rehabbing or points of borrowing private money that really were painful or sucked or weren't effective for me, I would sit back and I would look for the path of least resistance. And I would say, okay, what can I change? What can I do about either myself and my skill set or the people I have around me or a system and process in my organization that's going to make that suck less in the future? And I would find that path of least resistance and I would learn it, implement it or hire for it. And that's, that's how you build a real business. So that's kind of, I think, a a broader answer than you asked, but um, it's how I look at everything. 